0: Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be doing my first mock draft. I haven't done this at all. I've talked about a variety of prospects on here, but I haven't really honed in on a complete mock draft before. And what I want to do with this is I want to segment it 1 through 18 today, and I don't know where I want to go. I don't know if maybe tomorrow I do... 19 to pick 35 like to get us to our two second round picks that are back-to-back but i know for sure i definitely want to hone in on the three first round draft choices the thunder have in this class so i want to go 1 through 18 like i said for individual scouting videos i've done those in the past i've done one through i guess i've done seven guys now they're not going to be all one through seven on this board of course but cade both Jalen's, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, Mobley, Kuminga, Scotty Barnes, and Keon Johnson. And Scotty Barnes and Keon Johnson are a package deal. You guys can find that one maybe like two, three weeks ago. Same with all of them. But I might get that back if you guys would like to. Just hit me up on Twitter. But yeah, uh, without further ado, I just want to break down these 18 picks, man. And it starts with the big winner. Of Lottery Night, and it's Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State. Now, when you look at Cade Cunningham, uh I, I guess actually if you look at the Pistons perspective here, like them not taking Cade is an absolute catastrophe. And in my opinion, I don't know if one and two are as big as people make it out to be. I think those rumors saying, you know, the Pistons think highly of Jalen Green too. I could understand that, you know, I I was kind of of that position before Lottery Night, and I didn't really vocalize it, because it is a real minority opinion, but, I mean, if the Thunder would have got pick number two, or pick number three, and they got Jalen Green, I would be just as happy as if we got Kay Cunningham, and I adore Kate Cunningham, I love him, but I think Jalen Green would have done, done just fine, and that's kind of who stuck out to the Pistons in these little rumors, I'd have to imagine that's a smokescreen though, and, if it's not a smokescreen, hell, talk to the Rockets, talk to the Cavs, talk to somebody. Juice up your draft picks. You'll get a ton moving down just one or two spots, right? I don't think the Thunder could be in play for this. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to assume this is just a smokescreen. They'd be dumb not to take Cade. So Cade Cunningham is going to be number one for them. They're going to get that star of the future, and they'll figure out how they want to break things down. I know Killian Hayes has been a point of discussion, like how does he fit with Cade Cunningham? Kate Cunningham fits with everybody. I mean, you just need to take a look at the Cowboys' season last year. Kate Cunningham was clearly, clearly the number one guy. They would have got, I think the Cowboys were in the running for JT Thor and Bryce Thompson last year in recruiting. Bryce Thompson actually transferred over to the Pokes for this year, but they didn't get JT Thor, and it was really K. Cunningham and... Avery Anderson and outside of that there's not any guys that really have any NBA potential right now yeah but in some of the games Cade Cunningham he was more about serving his teammates and making them look like the stars that is the guy you want here so I think Killian Hayes even though he's more of that playmaker type you put the ball in Cade Cunningham's hands he can change Killian into a scorer in the blink of an eye same goes with guys like Jeremy Grant Sadiq Bay. You know, you want to keep running down the list of all these people they've hit on. Troy Weaver knows what he's doing, and he'll be able to harvest draft picks. He'll get the young assets. And when you have a guy like Cade Cunningham to build around, you're going to be bound for some sort of success here. Cade Cunningham is a guy we have not seen in like the past four or five draft classes. And I know it's just one of those like buzz talking points. It does have some merit to it. Like, Cade Cunningham clearly in last year's draft class was number one. Like, he's on an another universe from a prospect than Anthony Edwards was because he wasn't even a consensus really until the very end okay Cunningham's been the number one since the beginning of the year done absolutely nothing to prove otherwise he is going to the Motor City at number two you got the Houston Rockets and this is one where there is discussion because there's really this kind of you know a selection in Cunningham and then there's one B and two B with Jalen Green and Evan Mobley. I don't see it like that. Um, obviously I'm not the one taking the picks for the Rockets here. And we don't want the Rockets to pick the correct guy. We want them to be as bad as possible. They got a two-year gap in trading picks, which is an absolute godsend to them. But yeah, we don't want them to get their foundation. This is the most important pick out of those, you know, these next three that they are gonna own solely. And I don't think they're gonna miss here. As much as it sucks to say it. I look at Jalen Green, and I look at a superstar. This guy can score from anywhere. He can bounce like crazy. If he doesn't get any injuries, which is my only real knock with him, as well as you know pick-and-roll defense, maybe you can fix that. He's got the full package, and he's going to be gunning out, dropping 25, 30 points a game like it's nothing. He's perfect, and I think you'd want to go guard here because, yes, you have KPJ. You need someone to pair KPJ with, though, and you don't really have that currently, so the Evan Mobley talk, obviously Evan Mobley's an amazing prospect, but in the sense of fit, I don't think you can compete, you know, a center cannot compete with a guard, especially how they're laid out right now, I think they'd go maybe pick 23 or pick 24, and try to scoop up a center, and you know, go hit or miss there, as opposed to taking one right now, and then having to hope a guy like Sharif Cooper would fall down into the mid-20s, early mid-20s. They don't have to worry about that. So they get Jalen Green. I think Jalen Suggs also has that potential, but I I don't think Jalen Suggs is as good. I've had him pretty low on the board out of like the top five for a while. Everyone else is kind of picking up on that. I think he slides. He's not going number two. You got Jalen Green going to the Houston Rockets. And at number three, the Cleveland Cavaliers... They don't really have that hard of a decision because if they would have had Jalen Green right for the taking at three, I think you'd consider taking on Jalen Green and looking to offload a guy like Colin Sexton. And for people that I've looked at, at least on Twitter, a decent amount of fans don't actually want to trade Sexton, which is very crazy to me. And I know Sexton, he averaged like 24 points last year and he's only like 22, but that little talk about ball hogging—you don't want to have a lot of ball hogs there, and I know you don't—you don't want to break up the pairing of Sex Land. But Jalen Green would, you know, you might need to take priority with him, right? They don't even have that option, which helps them a lot in taking their pick because there's only Suggs and Mobley really that makes sense, and actually only one of them makes sense. They're going to be taking Evan Mobley and bringing him in, and I know they have Jared Allen already, but you know, maybe they can slide Evan Mobley down to the four, because the talk has always been that with the Cleveland Cavaliers, they would be that prime trade spot for the Oklahoma City Thunder, and whatever way you cut it, I feel like they have some sort of prospect. Now, maybe Jalen Green, if, you know, Mobley's gone, that might be their best shot at it, because they are somehow in love with the idea of Sexton and Garland long term, but i don't think you're gonna pass on a guy like mobley i don't know like if you're gonna get a guy like mobley he can slide to power forward the other guys you get at six if it'd be the thunder making a move would be someone like scotty barnes or jonathan kuminga so i think there's a gap and i don't think they'd want to risk it you know with Mobley, you have a guy who has the potential to be a star he's already amazing as a defender one through five uh which is wild he fits in Great with Isaac Okoro at the three spots. You kind of get that 3 4 mashup there. And then also, he has shown some bright spots shooting the basketball and dribbling, penetrating to the cup. So they get exactly what they want at pick number three. And then you fall down to pick number four with the Toronto Ra- Raptors. And I want to preface this by saying, and I should have done it at the beginning, there's no trades in this mock. Trades you know, they totally throw a wrench in things, and I'd rather wait to throw in trades, maybe for a later mock draft down the line, but at number four, it really doesn't matter. Trade or no trade, I think number four would be pretty easy because the top four is damn near solidified, and I know the Raptors would probably like a guy like Scottie Barnes, but Jalen Suggs is right there, and they're going to nab him, and that's a head-scratcher. I know people would be maybe a little bit confused because of a potential fit they already have fred van vliet they have kyle lowry but you gotta remember kyle lowry was probably like 30 minutes away from becoming a philadelphia 76er back in march there was that huge espn draft special really was kind of a, a wash because there weren't a lot of glitzy trades like but you know kyle lowry like he ended up crying out of the tunnel the game before the trade deadline it's like in tampa wherever they were I mean, it seemed like he was done, like he was crying, you know, I'd have to assume there was some sort of affection shown in the locker room, like, yeah, it seemed like he'd be going to Philadelphia, and the trade didn't happen, they didn't meet on a good agreement, Uh, maybe they talked to Miami too, but there was nothing there, and the Raptors, they went from, you know, the 7th best odds to now they're at 4, I don't know if you want to hit complete rebuild right now, but Jalen Suggs makes sense regardless, because Lowry is 35, if you're already trying to trade him beforehand you know you could trade him and then on top of that Pascal Siakam there's this rumor that Siakam could get moved for seven and James Wiseman they could completely tear this thing down and it makes sense for them they'd have a decent amount of assets to work with and Jalen Suggs would be the guy at point guard very very unselfish he loves putting others on a pedestal and for me, I don't love him as an off-ball scorer. I don't even know about him as an on-ball scorer right now, but he's a great leader. I think he has the high floor with the defensive end. I don't know if he reaches that star level, but he's a definitely a compatible guy that you could fill in regardless if you want to trade Lowry or not, but down the line, in the future, you could have Suggs and Van Vliet right next to each other. You could have Ojan and Obi in the works as well, so I think he would be that guy even though positionally you could try to make an argument for another prospect moving on though to pick number five this is where it gets interesting with the orlando magic and you got scotty and you got jonathan Kuminga. i'm gonna go ahead and say they take scotty barnes but i understand why Kuminga might make more sense and that honestly could be a better argument i'm just gonna go with scotty barnes right here and the reason why is, I mean, he can lock up damn near everybody. We saw in the combine measurements as well. He's got a really crazy wingspan, like 7'4 damn near. And you already have Jonathan Isaac at the four. And there is chatter because with Kuminga and with Scotty Barnes, here's the deal. You know, defensively, they're really, really good. I, I, I maybe would put Barnes above Kuminga just a little bit as a finisher, they're pretty good. I'd put Kuminga a little bit above Barnes. So it's a clean slate. The thing that makes or breaks both of them, though, is that three-point shot. And for the Magic, three-point shooting is a priority for them. They need to nab a three-point scorer, but there's simply just no one at that pick that makes sense. You're not going to go out and reach on a guy you know that i'll discuss later but like you're not going to go reach on a perimeter shooter right now when the potential is there for a three which they do need so i'm gonna go ahead and say barnes i'm just gonna say they love the defense already because he already has that jonathan isaac is amazing you want to make some goliath roster nobody can score on you barnes can give it to you but he's also very good at passing the basketball he's a A very good passer you know the Draymond Green comparisons we'll see if they kind of correlate at all but he was good at passing in transition even in the half court when he does drive in he can find people open I'd say Kaminga does a decent job didn't have the numbers that Scottie Barnes did though and also blocking shots so I'm gonna go with him I'm gonna say they like his archetype just a little bit better and they have the hope that his jumper which is a little bit wonky right now could come to full swing and he could be a three-level score he does have that potential so i'm gonna go with scotty barnes there and at number six you already know who the oklahoma city thunder are taking they're getting jonathan kuminga from the g league ignite and i love jonathan kuminga if i had to pick between kuminga and barnes i know a lot of people are loving barnes right now i have been on the kuminga train since february i'm sticking on it right now i love jonathan as a player i think this shot is a lot more fluid mechanically it's much better than scotty Barnes's. and unlike barnes who kind of has just been testing the waters with threes jonathan Kaminga did it all this year with the ignite he was shooting damn near five threes a game and he'd have those games where he'd go one of eight two of seven just very nasty numbers and he didn't even shoot above 30 percent in the g league it was not good But, despite that, he was still a decent shooter, and I like the idea that he was taking a lot of reps, and he was taking shots off the dribble, he was taking shots off the catch and shoot, it didn't matter to him, the confidence was always there, and I made the comparison in my draft profile video with Kaminga. but I see him a lot as like Lou Dort when we saw him rookie year, like he comes in, and the stakes for him... I'd say, I guess you could call him a little bit similar, but you kind of go into that G League camp just looking to prove yourself any way possible, and Kuminga, he didn't get the numbers from three, but he got some respect just by shooting them, and that's what Dort did. He kept shooting, and this past year, like a 5% increase from three. That's huge, but he went from a guy you would purposely leave open to now you see him as a potential two-way threat for years to come in this league, and Maybe that's the trajectory you see with Jonathan Gaminga. I like it. I like the way he's able to pull up when he's driving in. He has an amazing spin layup. And don't forget about the alley oops he's able to bring on. He's got the head at the rim sometimes. And if he just wants to slash in on his own, he's a freight train. He has some really good speed when he is moving in transition. So I think he's a player who does have that floor and ceiling that are, you know, very, very rangy. But regardless, The way he's able to attack the basket, he even uses the post sometimes, is going to get him double-digit numbers, kind of similar to how Darius Bazley was doing it this past year. That three, though, will separate him from the crowd, and he's a definite project. I think Kuminga, just like I've said in the profile, but with Kuminga, there's going to be games where you cannot stand him, solely because of the shot, but he makes up for it defensively, and just his highlight plays... Make you forget about everything else that's happened. When he played the OKC Blue, he stood out more than anybody on that basketball floor. He even caught Pokasevsky in a body bag. He dunked on him. Whether it was super cool or not, that's another question. But he's going to put up numbers, and I do like the potential. So Kuminga's the obvious pick. They're going to tack him on and fill him in at the small forward position. And once you get past Kuminga, you got that whole nother grouping, and it gets a little bit murky. You don't have that clear, precise view of how everybody's boards work, and we didn't even know that for the first six. It was still a nightmare getting through those. But at number seven, you got the Golden State Warriors, and they're primed to trade. That's why I said this is a no-trade episode. I might change things later. But at number seven, I think the Golden State Warriors need to get a shooter and they need to get a guy that will make an immediate impact for the aging warriors squad so i think they go with davion mitchell from the baylor bears right now mitchell is already 22 i believe he might be 23 by tip-off time next year but shot like 44 from deep and he was scoring from all three levels for the Baylor Bears perfect shot creator defensively I think he's still steady you know he's not amazing but he's pretty good at getting in passing lanes, stuff like that so he's a project on that end but offensively I think he's great he'll put up double digits and the best part about it is he's not gonna have to have the ball in his hands to do so Steph is the number one Klay Thompson if he's fully recovered he's going to be that number two. You even got Draymond Green. You look at the ages. Steph is 33. Clay and Draymond are 31. How many years left do they even have in this? Like two, three years, maybe? They need to make a run for the money as soon as possible. I think out of the remaining players, Davion Mitchell gives them the greatest chance. Put him in at shooting guard. I know Clay kind of plays shooting guard, so we'll see. You also have Andrew Wiggins, but... You see how the cookie crumbles with them. I think Mitchell makes the most sense, though. And with a guy like Wiggins, maybe you consider moving on with him, you know, if he doesn't give you what you want from downtown. They need scores, and Davion Mitchell is a true, true scorer. So they'll take him on and see how they can make him mesh with their squad. After that, you got the Orlando Magic again at five, and they already got Scottie Barnes that stirs them up at the forward positions Now they're kind of looking off to potential and maybe even a little bit of fit here and I think that they're a little bit upset that Damian Mitchell got taken at seven because they need a perimeter shooter at the shooting guard spot. They're going to take their next best option in James Booknight and with Booknight it's a bit interesting. I was considering some other prospects here just solely based off of where I see their ceiling at. I think out of some of these, you know, mid-lottery teams, the Magic at 8 might want to go for swings at the fences as opposed to just someone who works. But I think regardless, they're kind of already filled out at the small forward and power forward spot now to where they're either looking at a center or a guard. They've got Window Carter Jr. They're going to go with a shooting guard in book night. And he has that three-level scoring potential He was absolutely crushing it. I think it was his pro day where he was showing off his skills, shooting off the dribble, and yeah, I mean, everybody loved him. Even the standstill threes look great for him, so I think they just simply cannot pass up on it. When you look at the Magic roster right now, I like what they have going on. They are doing a great job in rebuilding right now because they got RJ Hampton in that Aaron Gordon deal. Really good deal by the way, but they got R.J. Hampton on, they got Cole Anthony, and they got Markel Fultz. That's three out of the four guys, I would say, because I'm in favor of this, like, four-guard rotation. I think Book Knight would be the perfect four in that core currently, because R.J., he's shown he can shoot a bit. He's more of that shot creator type. So is Cole Anthony. Markel Fultz is not a three-point shooter. We've seen it since the Philadelphia days. He has those moments where he cannot hit the rim. So I think you need that kind of guy who can ease that tension. Book Knight does it for you, and he can still stay on the sidelines. I think he shot, I forgot what he shot from three, but it was all right. I think he can play a little off the ball if necessary to let a guy like Anthony or Hampton run that show because they also are pretty ball heavy. But I think Book Knight makes sense. For them they needed that guard they're gonna get that that package of book Knight and scotty barnes i think they can walk away from this draft pretty happy about themselves and the next team too they might be able to as well and that is the sacramento kings and with the kings they have so many different options they can take with this draft but i ultimately see them rolling the dice here with somebody who depending on who you're talking to they'll consider the biggest steal of the draft Or a complete waste of a draft pick. And that's Jalen Johnson from Duke. This is the guy who in high school left early in college. He left early training, and people have had a lot of questions surrounding him. I think the Kings overlook that, and they're gonna take him solely based off the potential he brings. They don't have that long term three, they have Harrison Barnes. They don't need Harrison Barnes from the long run. Jalen Johnson. He's only 19. He gives you that window and he fits alongside. More importantly, with De'Aaron Fox and with Tyrese Halliburton. So you get that one, two, three punch with Fox, Halliburton, and Jalen Johnson. Think you can work on that front court a little bit later. They already have a couple of nice pieces like Rashawn Holmes, for instance. So i don't think they're all that bad at this point but yeah i I think johnson positionally makes sense but also from that upside i think he does have a pretty high ceiling for what is left on this class also think that floor is relatively low for him and i'm not in love with him currently i think that he's just extremely raw and with that obviously those possibilities are very endless but also he's raw, so he might not be able to fill out everything, he's pretty speedy in transition, not insane, he's a really good passer, kind of that point forward type, but I don't know about the three, I don't think he has as quick as a handle as a lot of people are making him out to be, but whatever, I think um, this this is just for what the Kings need, they'll probably want to take that home run deep swing because they just already got a steal in Tyrese Halliburton. Want to keep picking up that momentum because chances are they'll be looking at pick number 10 through 14 for a little bit longer if they don't get somebody this draft class. Jalen Johnson, they need a small forward. They'll push along with him, and they'll test the odds moving forward with what he could bring to them. At number 10, this is the New Orleans Pelicans, and I think this is one of the most likely scenarios for a trade because they already got Zion they got Brandon Ingram they got Lonzo Ball they got Steven Adams Bledsoe they're pretty decked out it was kind of a surprise they even found themselves out of the play-ins anyways but here they are now and they're looking at the boards they're trying to figure out somebody who can fit them and truthfully they can make a deal they can make a deal out of 10 they can get two mid first they can get a player they like but Let's say they don't get that deal. No one wants to talk with the Pelicans. They need to surround guys, particularly Zion Williamson, with a shooter. And they're going to get the best one of this draft class in Corey Kispert. Corey Kispert for Gonzaga was amazing. I think in the actual tournament run, he was the number one option. I think Jalen Suggs was more of the sidekick in that. But Kispert, he was great at shooting off the ball off the catch he was hiding behind screens to get the jumper off just fluid fluid release and he shot 44 from outside for them and he's gonna give you that immediate push just as i said with i think it was davion mitchell but yeah i mean they need a shooter i don't know if he cracks that starting grouping already but i don't know if they necessarily need that i think they need support pieces and Corey kispert is one that is a premium for that roster right now so they're gonna snag a guy who will be able to hit the threes and they just need guys who can sit outside and let Zion work Kispert will do that for you so that's who I got at number 10 number 11 you got the Charlotte Hornets and this one was a bit of a head scratcher here because there is a pretty unique prospect still remaining in Josh Giddy. but they also have a lot of guards right now. They got Lamelo Ball, six foot seven playmaker, Getty, six eight. So you get those overside group, you know, overside pairing, um, and then also you got Terry Rozier and you got Devonte Graham. So. I think Graham and Rozier, plus Ball, that's going to sure him up. And then you look at everywhere else. There is Gordon Hayward, believe it or not. I think Jalen Johnson, with him off the board, you're not even looking at small forward. And now you look at the front court. And in order for this pick to happen, as opposed to like someone like a Giddy, there needs to be a move because they have Miles Bridges and they have P.J. Washington. I think they're going to set that aside for a later date. They're going to go out. And get Kai Jones from Texas. Very high ceiling. He's another person who is a bit rangy and where he could fall. But I think the Hornets, they're gonna get someone who suits LaMelo ball to a T. Very high tempo, extremely fast at running the floor. He's gonna be great for throwing down some lobs, just like Miles Bridges has been for them, but he is a center now and he's also very good at rejecting the basketball. To make things even better for Kai Jones, he has potential from distance. He shot 38.5% for the Longhorns, and for that reason, I think it makes enough sense because if he can shoot the ball, if he can set you the screens and pop, that is the guy you want next to LaMelo and Jones can play a little bit above his height anyways due to just the verticality he brings on the interior so that's where Kai Jones goes changes a little bit of the board here but then it gets shaken up even more because the San Antonio Spurs they are prime they always go out and get the unknowns that doesn't change at pick number 12 and there is still Josh Giddy. You break it down, Josh Giddy from Australia. They already got an Australian in Patty Mills. They're not going to go with Josh Giddy, though. They are going to go with Usman Garuba from Real Madrid. And he is another guy you just kind of poach off. It's a shocker, but they're going to do it anyways. They love taking these kinds of picks. Look at Luca Samanak from last season. He wasn't even playing, really. But they want to take a jab at him, see what he is worth. Garuba, he has a lot of potential. And outside of a guy like Evan Mobley, I think he po- you know, he poses the most defensive versatility and potential. I'd probably leave it at potential. But yeah, I mean, interiorly, he is a monster. Six foot eight, seven foot two-inch wingspan. And on terms of lateral quickness and just straight up agility, you're not going to find a guy like Garuba at pick number 12 for a very, very long time. But even working past that, when you try tapping inside on Garuba, just like a Kai Jones... He soars up and he's gonna reject this shot. He's very good at using his frame to at least contest things and then also soar up with the wingspan to get the rebounds and get the pace going on the other end. So he's that pace setter, he's a defensive presence, and that's what the San Antonio Spurs have been known for right now. Look at Keldon Johnson. That pick, think he was like 29 or whatever. Now he's all about defense. Him and Garuba in a front court is a match made in heaven you take him it is a bit of a gamble but like i said the spurs always just love it going for people who fit, who fit the system and garuba does it so they're gonna take him at 12 and then at number 13 you got the indiana pacers and the indiana pacers they need a shooter you know that has been one of their struggles but they also need a defender and and someone who would have suited that well would be a guy like Corey kispert and also a little bit down the board you got a guy like franz wagner but they are going to go past that they're going to go based off of best available because yes they could fill their need but their gm's thinking you know what with the current core malcolm brogdon Karis caris Levert, warren sabonis they're good but are they going to lead us to a championship currently no so, we're just going to go and see who has the highest ceiling. And that is going to be Josh Giddy. He finally gets taken off the board. People love seeing him, you know, even starting to pick number eight. But he slides and they are going to snatch him up. You get a guy who is averaging seven rebounds, seven assists, and it was almost like 18, 19 points. That's crazy. That is amazing value for where he is at. And just given his frame at six foot eight. He still gives you some options, you know. Because of that, you can think, okay, you can play Brogdon, you can play Levert, Giddy's known to be a guard, but we can test him out at small forward. Let's see if he sticks. And the only real kind of step here that you got to worry about is how exactly you're going to dice up the minutes between Josh Giddy and a guy like TJ Warren, because you cannot forget, Warren's there. Now, he got hurt. But before he got hurt, TJ Warren was dropping buckets for them. But now you got Josh Giddy. Would he be a guy that you bring off the bench and just play him a decent bit? He'd get the minutes. He'd take all the scraps from a Brogdon, from a Levert. And since he's a point guard, since he's a passer, it doesn't matter if he's playing next to either of them. But you want to give him the minutes. And then you can look at the Warren. You know, you look at TJ. I think, you know, despite all of these little things you got to pass through, Getty's going to be their guy, it's going to shock some people, some Pacers fans, but they go after him, they're going to bet on that upside defensively, they're going to bet he can play above the point guard grade, and you know, they'll they'll see what he's worth in a couple of seasons, and you know, for another team like the Warriors, they're also going to be thinking about potential worth, but it's going to be in that short term, and As I mentioned at pick number seven, they got Davion Mitchell. Now they're sitting at the very end of this lottery at 14, and they are looking to cash in. And they got two different routes here because they don't love James Wiseman. They need another center. But the guys that they loved, Kai Jones, and then also Garuba, they're gone. So you don't have that high-tempo guy remaining. And, you know, when you look at other centers, you got a guy like Sangoon and Jackson. They don't want to go there. They want to go and find some more players who can fit and make an impact. They'll worry about Wiseman and maybe some of their other assets at the deadline. They'll get their center then. Right now, though, they want to fill out their core and compliment Curry and Clay as much as possible, and they're going to go with another wing prospect here. They're going to take Franz Wagner at 14, and here's why. Six foot nine, he can play at the two or the three, but he's considered one of the top three and D prospects in the draft class. They need some defense in that second unit because that's where he'd be playing but also they need to alleviate some damage if Kelly Oubre Jr. were to walk in free agency this season because that is a very big possibility. If he does walk away, you're going to need another small forward, and that is who you're going to find at Wagner. He's going to give you the production. You got a guy like Juan Toscano Anderson. Sure, sure, but... Wagner, you're going to take him and you're going to hope that defense stays because he has been a great defender. And you're going to hope he can catch and shoot for you because he doesn't need to be making all the flashy plays offensively. He just needs to be doing stuff when it is given on a golden platter. And I think he'll fit the Golden State Warriors perfectly. So now you're past the lottery. Now you're looking at the people who were in the play ins and, you know, some of the traded picks like you're going to see. With Oklahoma City's two of the remaining four that I will be talking about. And this is going to be with the Washington Wizards. And with the Washington Wizards, I mean, they got Russell Westbrook, they got Bradley Beal. How is it not working for them? You know, and even past those two, you start thinking like Gafford was showing signs late. And yeah, I mean, that might be it. That might be it for them, right? Like they have. Davis Bertans he showed up sometimes and then other times it it was laughable you thought he was the worst contract in the league because he's kind of just a shooter and that's about as far as you'd like to go they do have Rui Hachimura though so there's a little positive and they even have Denny Avija who they got in the last draft class so they already have some options you know you look at the center spot maybe they want to sure things up because robin lopez is aging that post hook's not going to be around forever but despite that they don't want to go based off of that currently they want to bring in a player who is going to fill out westbrook and bradley beal immediately and they're going to go ahead and and take Moses Moody from Arkansas, and this is a player that every Thunder fan, at least most Thunder fans, have wanted so bad to take at 16, right there, almost, you got your fingertips all over him, writing his name down on the ballot, he's gone, gets taken one pick before, and Washington is going to walk away with a pretty interesting talent at the shooting guard position, 6'6", six 6'11 foot six, six foot wingspan, and he's also a solid three and D prospect. The logic behind this one is pretty similar to what you saw with the Sacramento Kings a little bit earlier with pick number nine in Jalen Johnson. You got to make sure one through three is all filled, and that was a major issue. When you look at the the Wizards, I mean, Avija was hurt, right? um And you know, maybe if he was playing, they would have been good. They would have been in the playoffs, but you know, they're still concerned about it here, they they want Russell at, at the one, they want Bradley Beal at the three, at the shooting guard position, you need somebody who's gonna get it, and has the potential to be great, or very, very good, at that, and Moody does that, because whoever's left right now, not that good, y'all remember when Raúl Neto had to like carry the Wizards in one of their late regular season games, yeah, you don't need to worry about that anymore because it's a little bit inconsistent Neto's underrated but nah i don't know if he's the guy also behind Neto, garrison matthews he was an unknown you know before this season you're gonna get moody in and that's great value at 15 shouldn't have crept outside the lottery and the wizards they're gonna have another shot at the playoffs and they're gonna have a very good rookie and moody to work with and now you hit the thunder pick at number 16 yet again and you're scouting out this draft board there's one guy or really two guys in particular who have just slid they've fallen off the boards these were guys who a month ago were seen as surefire lottery picks and truthfully i think there's a good chance you know either of them could get picked in this lottery this is just my simulation right here yeah but Those two players are Keon Johnson out of Tennessee and Alperin Sengun. And with Sengun and Johnson, you have a big, big decision because wedged in between picks 16 and 18, you got the Memphis Grizzlies. They are notorious for picking the steals. With everyone, you know, with the media picks thinking, you know, Brandon Clark shouldn't be in the 20s. Xavier Tillman shouldn't be in the 30s they go ahead whether it's trading up or you know yeah just trading up because that's what they've done to get both of them they go up there they get that guy and what do you know Brandon Clark has been an amazing piece for them and Xavier Tillman was a steal in the second round for them so they always love going off of value now currently they got a nice core and they could be hunting for the playoffs but you gotta have that in the back of your head so the strategy part of this has to come into play when you look at what the Memphis Grizzlies have their front court has Jonas Valanciunas, Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Clark, and Xavier Tillman and at the guard spots they have Ja Morant, they have Dylan Brooks, and they have guys like Grayson Allen as well so clearly they got a little bit more of a deficiency at the shooting guard spot and that means the Thunder are going to go and snag Keon Johnson. I love Keon Johnson. I've been banging that drum forever just based off of the potential side of his game. And truthfully, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I was just rolling down the list of needs and all that. Johnson happened to fall here. I could see Keon Johnson going as early as maybe like pick number eight. You know, if the Warriors take him at seven, it'd be a bit of a shock, but whatever. They need a shooting guard anyways. So he could go seven to 17 in my eyes. And I think this is a very, very lucky situation for the Thunder. They pick him up. You're talking upside remaining in this draft class. Keon Johnson's number one. And based off a of talent, he's already bringing. Keon Johnson's really high already. So you couldn't have found much more value at pick number 16. So they end up bringing him in and I've already done a scouting report on him, but let me break it down. He can fly. He had that 48-inch vertical, broke the record. This, um, you know, this past I guess last week. Yeah, last week. At the draft combine, broke a record set by someone who never played in the NBA. So take it as you will. But I mean, damn, he can fly. We saw him put back dunks. He didn't need many steps to go soaring. He had standing dunk posterizers, and I think he's only like six foot four, six foot five, or something. So he's gonna go in as that two guard. He slots in, and you have SGA, you have Teo, you have Ty Meachic, which I'll talk about later. He's not coming over. And you got Vic Crudgy, who we still have a bit of question marks on. He's going to be definitely playing within the organization next year, though. You're going to go on Johnson, though, and you have that belief his three-point shot will work out. Because I mentioned he can soar in as an off-ball threat. He is dangerous cutting into the basket. He has a perfect understanding of weak side defense, and he's going to exploit it to the fullest. In transition, you're not going to find many people better than him in this draft class even rebounding offensively he's gonna soar up and get those second chance points he's very gritty as a player but um yeah i mean the clear hole is the three-pointer and that's why he didn't get picked you know at number seven right that's why he slid out of the lottery and he had a team like the warriors or the wizards my apologies even pass up on him that three-point shot is very very you know raw currently he didn't shoot over 30 percent and I like him. I think there is some real hope in that jump shot, but I guess every other GM did not because now he is here at this pick, and I cannot be happier. When you look at him as a mid-range scorer, he was already pretty solid, and he loved going in for spin jumpers, and a lot of the time, he kind of had this Hamadou Diallo type where he'd charge in on people, and he wouldn't look Anywhere else. He'd get that tunnel vision and he'd take shots. Did it at the mid range, did it on layups, and he probably would do it from downtown. He tried incorporating a step back, which is very, very nice to see from him. But yeah, he does have the seeds from just about everywhere. So for where you'd find at 16, you have to be in love with this pick. And I know some people could be turned off from the idea of him because you'd want to have a guy who off the ball would be excellent next to SGA. I think at 16, that risk factor is gone. If you want to trade it up into the lottery for him, then it's a little bit different. But I don't even think you're worrying about it because his floor is almost like Hamadou Diallo currently where he can't shoot. But in the mid-range, he's looking nice. He's starting to pass when he's driving in and, you know, going for loose balls and stuff. He's still very active. So you're going to get a high energy, high, you know, um, highly regarded player. In Johnson, where fans, there's going to be a lot of Keon Johnson jerseys just simply based off of how he's attacking the basket because he is electric. Love to bring on a guy like him and you end up taking him at pick number 16. But now it's 17, you got the Memphis Grizzlies again and they still have that same philosophy. Keon Johnson, he's off the board and now they're looking at some other guys. They have need and they have a guy who fits that potential but he also fits what you know that shooting guard spot and that's zaire williams they could take him but they're not gonna go away from Sangoon. they don't really need a center but they've heard the media they've heard the potential with this guy and they're not gonna let this pick go to waste mid first round pick they don't want to trade it they already have a pretty well decorated core but they just want to get even more potential on this train so they're gonna go ahead and take Alperin Sangun, and they'll see where it kind of leads him I think he's just the best available now you know no matter how you want to slice it and potential wise that's that's what you're looking at because as a floor it's definitely not better than a lot of people are remaining it's really not you know it's like a second round grade if he doesn't hit that ceiling but you know, he was playing decent competition, he was doing very, very well, was a little bit cold in his final few games before, you know, he called it quits, and now he's looking to go into the draft, but he was still solid, and people have compared him to, like, a Sabonis type, a Vucevic almost, where, or I guess Canner would be a better comparison, where he's a very back-to-basket type guy, a little bit of the mid-range game, but The three is a little unproven currently, but he has a nice touch inside, able to get the rebounds, and he's able to reject some shots. So he's very traditional in that sense. But um, yeah, I mean, if he fills everything out, you're good. And he almost is hitting that prototype of the current center of the Memphis Grizzlies and Jonas Valanciunas. So he's a backup plan of 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 sorts because with Xavier Tillman, you don't look at that guy and think, He's gonna be a starting center in this league. He's gonna be a quality backup for probably a decent amount of time, but yeah, he's not gonna be starting for you. Um, he's not gonna be a starter on a championship contender. And I don't know if Sangoon or Valentunas are either, but you know, at least with Valentunas, he's been playing at that all star level. And I mean, that's kind of that with him, right? Like he he's able to play pretty, pretty damn solid. And I think with um Sangoon, he could fit that mold of being a very good rebounder getting double doubles setting the screens getting the blocks just everything and with valanchunas already at age i think it's 29 that's not insanely old of course but you know you're thinking towards the future you're thinking of Ja. you're thinking of some of those other guys like jackson as well and with the fact valanchunas he's going to be an unrestricted free agent after next season maybe he walks and maybe Sengun had a very impressive rookie season you can bring him in and try to incorporate him as part of the future, because he does fit the timeline. I would think Valentronis would love to stay, but you know it is what it is. Ideally for the Grizzlies, they would have loved to go ahead and take a guy like Uzman Garuba at twelve, but he's off the board. And now when you're looking at front court pieces, you had Sangoon who shouldn't have been there, most likely. So they'll take him. And then you got at 18 the Thunder. And they're wrapping up this this pod because if I finished out this first round, we'd be talking 90 minutes of basketball. And I don't know if people would love that necessarily, you know, when it doesn't involve the Thunder's picks. But at pick number 18, there's still a ton of options that you could go for. I think Zaire Williams has that potential, right? And I also love JT Thor. I've talked about him. I've said on Twitter how much I like his potential. And then people have laughed at me about it, right? And that's just the name of the game. This is a draft class where, and I guess it's every draft class, where there's a lot of polarization between prospects. And with 18, there's going to be a guy who doesn't really have a lot of polarizing takes. This is just whatever. They go ahead and take Isaiah Jackson and this is a guy who the Thunder have been or at least the fans have been talking about for a while and there's speculation Presty's had his crosshairs just locked on this guy for a while. There's actually a promise, a rumor that's rolling around. And with this draft pick, truthfully, I'm not really gonna take it much into account. Now I'm not gonna lie. Obviously, at 18 that you know that made me solidify it a little bit easier. But I still think they need a center and whenever you go to picks like 34 and 35, there's simply just not going to be as much talent left at the position and they would have loved to take a swing at Sangoon, now he's gone. I think it's a win-win for them either way though because with Isaiah Jackson, they're going to be getting a guy who fits SGA and just fits the current state of the team regardless because He's a perfect pick and roll player next to SGA. With Kentucky, he was a very fast player. He'd soar up for dunks, and that's what's been necessary. That's kind of what Moses Brown did. And, you know, now Brown is in a Celtics jersey. You don't even have a center. So you need Jackson. He'd be going in, getting a lot of minutes. I think you would not be too unhappy with it because he does have that kind of already skill, you know, set in stone skill set of rolling to the rim and you'd be fine there. As a rebounder, he's also solid and he's a good shot blocker. He can go up and then also he has that mobility to where he can get a rebound and he can speed up to the half court line and then make his own decision if he'd like to. And then there's even a little bit of playmaking, but yeah, I mean, that's also one of those things where it's an iffy. One of the big iffies though, that you know turned him from a lottery guy to now he's at 18 getting picked off is the three point shot is not there currently you know playing for kentucky he had bits and pieces where he'd be able to shoot the three-point shot at an effective rate but it wasn't enough to the point where he is considered a three-point threat currently if he's able to hit that oh you got a money pick here because he's already energetic energetic my bad a very good athlete and he can be a solid defender at the four or five position right now and you love being able to swap guys maybe run poku at the five if um if he gains a little bit more weight right but um yeah jackson clear pick fits everything you need when you look at other centers beyond him there's just not anyone that fills what's left i think he's the final remaining center that's kind of set in this tier because there are kind of separated tiers based off of just overall positions yeah he makes that final cut left and then you kind of look at some other people who maybe don't have as high of uh of a thought currently in the draft process but yeah like if I was the GM I'd look at Jackson like I said I'd look at Zaire and then I'd also look at JT Thor and I'd also look at trying to trade into the late first round you got those two second round picks maybe if there's a guy that you have fallen in love with which you know I'm I'm kind of a sucker for falling into some prospects so I have a couple on my mind but you know if you want to try to trade up there are some teams later on that clearly are in win now mode heave off a couple assets or maybe even some players and you could get a deal done might talk about those potential trade-ups in another episode also who you could look at in the second round a little later on but that is going to do it for today's episode hopefully you guys all enjoyed this if there were some takes on this mock draft that you guys just were disgusted by make sure to tell me on twitter tell me why i'm an idiot And I will take that to my heart, and then I will reply to you based off of what you told me. But yeah, like I said, that's going to do it for today's episode. Really appreciate all the support, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.